Okay, let's do it. Uh, Winged Cop Podcast. Bleh. Reset. Um, Cam, what number are we? 71? Nice. Podcast, GooseDigital.com, episode 71. Who do we have? Robin Kroll. Kevin Butler. Michael Trixani. Just three of us today. Just three. Uh, just three. And in Happy 2022. 2022, the first one of 2022, the first podcast of 2022. I don't think we've ever had and this group of three on a podcast, so this is exciting for me. I think so. Haven't yeah. we? No. I don't know. Maybe maybe that one time we had Jeremy with us. Maybe, but uh for the Christmas one a long time ago. Uh Chris is having internet issues. So he's still with us. He's still here. He's still part of Goose Digital. He's just having internet issues. So. We are being dynamic with uh the pandemic afoot and we're trying That's to be right. responsive while also continuing along our, our content plan and getting out there and marketing. Nothing will stop us. Nothing will stop us. That's right. Nothing. I love that. Is that going to be our tagline yeah. for 2022? Nothing will stop I, us. Yeah, and you know what? We could have we could have rebooked the podcast, but we didn't. And there were other reasons too, but we didn't. <laughs> love so it. I think um, I think it's not perfect, right? But I think um, there's value in continuity and yep. pushing forward. And there, there's nothing detrimental here. It's just we've got to be uh, dynamic and uh, the ability to move and sort of pivot on the fly and that's what we're doing we're not letting it interrupt our marketing we're just kind of adapting as we need to i think right. that's such an overall statement for for starting off this year kev i love it that's nothing's right. perfect but you still got to move forward that's it that's it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well i mean the uh the value of what did you say continuity or just consistency getting oh. getting a regular rhythm going for sure I think so. Um, it's the first week back from holidays. I think it's all important here to sort of rip off the vacation band-aid and we're back into it and boom, episode yep. 71. Here we go. All right. So kicking off the year for a lot of organizations, a lot of our customers, ourselves included, we're ramping up sales and marketing as we know in, in a, in a big way this year, making some pretty large investments because we see, um, the benefits of that and, and see what's working. We thought thinking about marketing strategy, I mean, I, I hope people aren't sitting there right now being like, what should we do in 2022? Because it's, you know, there's only so many months in, a, in the year that you can really get moving on this. And certainly the first quarter sales budget, you don't want to completely blow. So hopefully there's, there's things that are already in motion for organizations that they can, that they can execute on in the first six-ish weeks of the year, but it did kind of raise an issue around, you know, how are, how are you going, how are companies sort of looking at their, their year and talking a little bit about how we're looking at our year and how we're breaking down the year. So we've got sort of three areas of um, kicking off 2022 and how to set up marketing strategies and, and what I think a lot of us are going through right now. So the first one we wanted to just jam on a bit was, you know, how did we do last year? I think that's probably what most organizations are going through. So 
I know even this week we're trying to pull the final numbers, uh, you know, if we can even get there by the end of today, that, you know, probably will take us even a bit into next week to get our final sales numbers, our final kind of as best we can analysis of how we did sales and marketing. But why don't we talk about that? That's not an easy, you know, if you're driving fairly large sales budget or sales team, or even a small team like ours, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts, just trying to figure out how we did and, and what the final numbers were. Maybe I can jump in first here. Um, and just as a side note, I hope this sort of serves. I don't think anyone's listening to this podcast uh, by the time we release it saying, I don't have a plan for 2022, but perhaps it serves as a bit of a checklist uh, to measure what your intentions are for the year and how you're thinking about it relative to another organization. Maybe there's some uh, things you can pull from to say, hey, that's a good idea, or uh, I'm on the right track, or we're both sure. not wrong. <laughs> um, so w when I think about looking at the, the previous year, I think the obvious first one is, uh, did we accomplish our goals and targets that we set out for? Y yes or no. But I, I think within that breaks out uh, a few other things. It's sort of, well, how did we achieve um, if you if you met your targets or if even if you didn't, sort of what is the primary reasons for or for not doing that? Is it you missed the one big deal? Is it you you know, you really miss the mark and it's sort of, you're gonna to have to really go back and, and figure out a different approach. Um, like mm -hmm. in our case, as I think about our year, we, um, Chris isn't here, so we can't quite congratulate it, but we did meet our number, we know that much. And so I think we're gonna look at and say, did we meet our number by the kinds of um, sales deals that we, we anticipated or was it sort of a, a bit different, but we got there anyway, so that's one. And then the second part of that would be the trajectory of sales. Is it a matter of, mm -hmm you had an unbelievable Q4 and that kind of pulled up the rest of the year's performance or is it possibly the the opposite where it's you had a super great start to the year and everything kind of, you limped your way into meeting target and quota. So I think that the trajectory matters or did you kind of more evenly, I think for us it was a bit more of a even slightly curved up performance throughout the year, um, which is great. I think that's kind of the indicator you want, but it's sort of looking at how you got there and what would be the emerging patterns or trends for velocity moving into the next year? Yeah. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, in an organization like ours and a lot of the clients that we work with, it's it's so much about that um, marketing and sales uh, partnership working together. So you're right, Kev, as we, you know, at the end of the year, a lot of organizations are looking at those uh, sales numbers, you know, looking to see if they've met the targets. Um, but it's really important to uh, look at the marketing initiatives that actually drove that. And, and you know, mm -hmm. certainly, you know, we, we do look at that um, to understand what were the, the different campaigns, the different strategies, um, you know, as we focused on different uh, uh, industries or sectors, what was most effective? Um, because those are the things that you're going to want to really dive into deeply as you look towards the next year and say what was effective and what was not. So that as you're resetting those goals, saying how are we going to get to those numbers, understanding that marketing has a really important role in, in helping an organization achieve that. The bigger numbers, because uh, um, I, I always kind of laugh, especially in growth organizations, it's you, you meet your target. And so for about two minutes, you're allowed the moment to say, yay, congrats, everyone can mm -hmm. feel good. And then very quickly it goes into, okay, well now it's 30% more sales over last year. And then to your point, Robin, it's, oh, okay, how are we gonna do this? And does the programs we had last year, which seemed to work, do those have enough uh, uh, juice in them or momentum 
to actually not only hit last year's number again, but in fact, 30% it on top of that. Uh, and certainly that's what a, a leader like Mike will say, right? Is, okay, how do we get more? And so that's kind of the question yeah. is, do we need more from a marketing program perspective to go support uh, this new target? Yeah, but I think, you know, that that how we did or and, and, and specifically where the deal flow came from and and what's the makeup of those deals. There's, there's a few things in there that, that we touched on. Uh, the channels and the marketing sources, and I think some of that attribution, which we talked about even on recent podcasts, and I think in a blog, uh, that's that would be sort of what you would immediately think about. Like, how are my marketing programs impacting the pipeline? What closed? And, you know, to the extent that we can either really identify those sources of deal flow. So we know for sure that that was a, you know, an inbound search lead or a, or the, something that came off of one of the marketing programs that we ran on a webinar or whatever the case may be, or some other multi-touch piece where we think that we we did touch that, that opportunity in some way, shape or form. That's kind of what you'd think of, you know, at one, one lens, but then it's actually, I think what you touched on Kev there was what did we end up with? Like of the deals that we closed, what were they? What, what, you know, not only from our product fit perspective, so we might sell different things. Oh, we sold X amount of data and insights versus X amount of whatever other services that you might offer. In our case, maybe it's marketing automation services, but also the types of organizations. And I think that's partly where you were going as well, Robin, is, you know, were these companies that were what we thought we were targeting, you know, and, and did they meet our ICP? And, and I think that that's really an important component that I don't, I don't know how much time gets spent. I know that a lot of our clients will tend to sort of gloss over that and, and they won't, they won't really dig into that or they'll just say like to your point, Kev, like we met the number, but I think if you as a marketer, if you can say, no, we know that 30% of the deals that came through and they may have been driven by our programs as well they were outside of our ICP and maybe that's okay, but now we've uncovered something here. Yeah, and on the, that's, I, I think that's a great point, on, on the ICP or sort of like a uh, diversion of sorts from the ICP, is it, you know, things happen throughout a year, uh, trends come up and opportunities like reveal themselves and then you say, okay, well, does this reflect uh, perhaps a new ICP, a new persona, a new trend that we really, uh, as an organization want to go down because then that's a bit of a different view as well to say okay we not only have made uh, our numbers and we're selling right within this kind of growth channel or audience um because that might infuse the next stuff and that that seems like pretty organic and natural to me but it's like oh well we kind of made all these exceptions in order to make the number and, and mm-hmm. there's a value in an organization being able to find a way to sell but at the same time it, it would lend credibility to the notion that perhaps you won't have the same opportunity the following year and thus your ability to, to meet the next year's number could be in jeopardy it's like are you really going to pull a rabbit out of a hat twice here <laughs> to do that yeah. and, I, and i think to your point on sales and marketing alignment robin and then i'll let you jump in um you know i think looking at what deals you didn't close like if you're looking at, at marketing driven sources and whether it's in your target ICP or slightly outside and you, you identify that, well, we drove, actually those were, those were great kind of pipeline opportunities. They just didn't close. I think that's also part of like the, the analysis that you'd, you'd want to include. Cause you'd say, well, actually our marketing program may be working well. We, we may just have a breakdown in, 
completely handling those deals to, to your to your point like our sales organization is still learning how to how to navigate uh, I don't know an expanded set of deals that are marketing driven and you know they don't come through referral sources or whatever the case may see, may be where there's more some goodwill already baked in but but they do represent the style and type of business and we were pitching in in business that we were happy to win yeah and and maybe this is not directly answering or or uh, talking to your point, but there's also the flip side of sales informing marketing. And I'm, uh, you know, I'm thinking of some, some specific examples of um, understanding deals that come in and hearing or listening for things from prospects that we might not have been uh, targeting specifically. So your, your comment, mm -hmm. Mike, about some of these things that maybe are not as natural to record in your CRM. So if you hear something in a conversation, certain uh, priorities start popping up in your prospects. This is the kind of thing that sales hears and will want to funnel it back into to marketing. And and one example of that that uh, you know I can speak to is certainly that I've heard the, our last quarter is the rise of importance of uh, a CRM with a lot of our clients. So we, we know that that's part of our ICP, which if, if people aren't sure what that means, that's the ideal customer profile or the ideal, ideal customer uh, persona, that we know that a CRM marketing automation, uh, we know that that's a, a powerful mix, but we're starting to hear that more and more from our prospects. So as mm. sales is hearing that, it's important to be able to funnel that back into marketing, knowing that, that that's a potential need for prospects and, and a need that we can go ahead and fulfill. So it's sort of that, you know, sure. that continuous evolution. I think it's a great point. Um, you know, the other thing that's sort of funny here, we're not the only company in this, um, in this mode either. Mike, you referenced the off the top, which is in growth mode and making investments into sales and marketing. And some of that's in the form of program and spend, perhaps some um, MarTech tooling uh, to support the amplification of our message to broader audience sets, but also, uh, would be bulking up in terms of staff and resources, whether it's sales or marketing. I think I think of sales particularly because it's. I think we all know it's best case scenario, one to two quarters out is it's how long it's going to take to ramp up these sales individuals. And then I think when you look at that review of deals, the ones you won, like let's call it the right ones of your of your ICP, mm -hmm. Robin, the ones that you won and you didn't won or didn't win rather. You say, okay, well, what was the complexity there? Why didn't we win? And you factor that into this new sales staff that you're bringing in, whether it's one or multiple reps, and you think, okay, is he or she going to be able to navigate these complex deals inside of their first 180 days on the job? The likelihood of the first mm -hmm. 90 days, probably not. And even if they can, is probably going to require a lot of support around him or her uh, from people who've been around and can kind of help support that. And then from there, it's, okay, but can they mobilize in their third quarter um, to be able to support some of that? So I think that those breakdowns are going to be really critical to helping guide the individual who's new to the organization who hasn't run through a stream of those complex style deals. Um, I think that's really, really key as you think about ramping up your team. That analysis yeah. is going to be super critical. So then we talked about the, so you're, you're trying to set your, you know, what you think your goals are, or you may, you may have revenue goals, but sort of your plan, right, for 2022, we said, looking at what your industry is doing. So making sure, and I think that was partially you touched on it. So maybe that's a good pivot, Robin, yeah. like seeing the, the, the shift 
that that might be coming up through a need or a common kind of need that is uh, is appearing in sales but there could be more macro industry related items that are that are appearing so kev you you know this was one that you brought up why don't you talk about that yeah sure uh i think so it's important to have a a dual lens view of one just like we touched on the performance of last year and say how do we meet our number or did we not meet our number and reasons for that um and then Mm -hmm. the second lens would be um looking at your industry or vertical and seeing what's changed or evolved i think some industries are are faster moving or or more more dynamic but just because you met last year's quota doing a set of programs tactics and solid execution doesn't necessarily guarantee the same result moving forward particularly if there has been a lot of change in an industry it could be m a it could be um your icps developed or shifted and become a bit more sophisticated and perhaps your service or solution does or doesn't offer uh, a great solution there, right? Or a great answer to those pain points and challenges. So I think it's really important for marketing, and this is probably more of a product marketing function, is to look at Mm -hmm. what are the changes here? Does that uh, impact anything to do with marketing, the content, the talk tracks? Does it even shift the way we need to handle sales leads from a could be demos and services potentially product offerings or even how sales cycles need to be coordinated and run i think all of that's important listeners might say well you know our industry i guess there's been some change but it's kind of natural and it's non-material in terms of impact of what we're going to do well that sounds great and you'll get out there and go do what you have to do but in some cases we've seen some massive shifts in certain industries whether it's Mm -hmm pandemic related, whether it's just the natural evolution of how digital and digital transformation is impacting certain industries. So I think you do have to have a pulse for where the industry is going this year relative to how you view last year's performance, because they may not quite be the same, but this is kind of that full 360 view of what can you take from the previous year and implement to this current and following years um, with where the industry itself is at. Okay. And Robin, anything to add to that? Um, no, I would just to add that, you know, if we, we had sort of like one bullet point for, for our listeners, you know, so when you are reviewing your, your sales numbers and your marketing numbers, um, don't just look at the numbers, right? So, so yeah, talk sure. about those anecdotal things and, um, you know, get, get, uh, it's not necessarily just senior leadership that will be involved in those conversations because you're going to have some of your frontline people that might be able to bring in some of those, those key pieces of information that are going to help inform going forward. Kev, to your point, um, you know, there might be some industries where the changes are maybe not as, uh, I, they're, they're not as huge, not as but yeah. not as pronounced. Thank yeah. you for the word. But the reality is, is that companies who can get moving on even those smaller, less pronounced trends, those are the ones that are going to be able to capitalize on those growth. So, so the more, you know, and the more you can, you can act quickly on those things, the more chance you have of being successful. Okay. So I think that both of those sort of funnel into the last kind of area that we wanted to talk about briefly was content strategy. So, and this, uh, you know, it's a big one, I think, for all these, all all these uh, reasons that we've, that we've discussed that, you know, if your market is shifting, 
you know, maybe your content strategy should be shifting to align with that. Even that item you brought up, Robin, about the CRM, that there could be an opportunity there again to adjust your content, get out in front of that message, that need. But also of the types of organizations that you've closed, if they fall outside of maybe your ICP and you're like, wow, we want to, you know, address that, that area, it does our content, you know, best fit to that area. Maybe you got lucky and you pulled some people into your funnel, but could you be better aligned to a slightly different market or audience by addressing your content strategy? I know for us, this is a, I think probably for all organizations, you know, depending on how big your brand budget is and how, I guess, how much money you have to, to spend on making noise and really top of funnel brand awareness type, type activities. Most of the, the organizations that we deal with have more of a performance marketing budget. You know, they have brand budget, but they, you know, they don't have un, uh, unlimited funds. These aren't, these aren't large organizations with big branding budgets to just, to just spend their way to get a name. I think the, the issue there is how do you create demand in a relatively cold, if you want to call them a cold audience that they don't know you, right? So they don't know your organization, you're trying to target them. And I think going forward, the content strategy more than ever is, is becoming the, the thing that we need to focus on the distribution challenge. We know organizations don't have that nailed down. That's a big part of what we do is make that efficient so that you can spend more money on putting out great content, but really tackling the content strategy so that as the first time and second time and third time, these prospects are seeing your name that they find a piece of content that is dialed into their, that's interesting and it's dialed into their needs and they're willing to consume it, right? And that's a huge challenge. Huge, I think, oh man, there's, there's so much there. I mean, this this is the subject of many podcasts for sure. Um, I'm gonna, I want, there's a few things I wanna address, address in there. Hopefully it's not all over the place. Um, so first, I think what we've really seen is a movement towards uh, lower lead volume, but higher quality this idea that you can't perpetually be driving at least in most industries when you think of a total addressable audience or, or market like you can't just keep driving thousands of mqls a month it just doesn't really make sense at some point um mm. and then it goes back to this alignment of sales and marketing which I, I think universally almost everyone's preaching and in agreement of but it's the details of how you actually gain that alignment that's really where the the winning's happening so i think about content such a huge one and the disconnect I still see from marketers, uh, I, I think not so much the executive marketers, but the, the the tiers below is aligning the types of content that they're doing to how mm -hmm. it propels a sales cycle. And it's funny, I had a conversation with an executive this week, a US tech company, like a hot tech, I'll just say MarTech landscape in industry, high adoption, constant or perpetual demand in the market for these types of solutions. And what he was talking about was this idea of, they don't want to talk about feature and function. They want to differentiate themselves on a vision of how they actually serve their ICP. And it starts with marketing. And then that will help actually have better sales conversations, more qualified opportunities, likely faster deal flow, all that good stuff that we all know, but really aligning with those sort of, you know, everything from blogs to emails to, what are the types of mm -hmm. webinars and how do we think about partnerships, all that kind of stuff. And I think right now, I'd say like middle tier marketers aren't quite aligning, at least not that I'm seeing with that sales and marketing piece to say, 
how does the content that we're churning out on a regular basis actually supporting uh, deal flow yeah. and talking to the needs of the audience beyond just we have this feature and this function? It's I don't think that's enough anymore. It's, it's, it's not. So I would, I would add two uh, points to that, uh, to follow on that, Kev. One is the solution, right? Because it's not about features and functions. It's about how you solve that company's problem, right? That, that, that's what companies are looking for. How is this going to help me grow my business? How is this going to help me resolve this issue? That's mm -hmm. what, that's what, that, uh, that's what, what's going to attract your prospects. On the other part to that is that there isn't one single solution that a company is trying to resolve. And the solution is going to vary by the persona. So who is it at the organization that you are trying to uh, uh, attract or engage? And that's going to vary at the sales cycle. So if you're trying to, mm. you know, if you're focusing on a solution that's really going to appeal to a senior executive, you know, what would that look like? What is that story as opposed to, you know, if it's somebody who's a little bit, you know, maybe a marketing manager who is actually charged with going out and researching and finding solutions, you know, she or he is going to have a different uh, take on what they're trying to resolve. So your content has to be really clear on who you're targeting and the solution that they're looking for. Yeah. It's not, it's not easy, right? So you, there's a lot yeah. to think about, but, but that's so, uh, it's so key to being successful with your content strategy. Can I add a third rung or, or to your, I will allow you to do that. Sure. <laughs> a differentiated way to communicate that. Mm. I think, so if we look at MarTech in general, it just seems yeah, like sure. such a hyper, uh, sort of, uh, competitive environment. You have mm -hmm. direct competitors, you know, four or five vendors who do basically the exact same thing as you, but then you have this whole host of other vendors that are indirect that you could be a competing for budget on uh attention most certainly but also they kind of do some of that stuff too it's like this giant venn diagram where there's overlap on uh capabilities and solutions and maybe you could get away with doing most of the thing that you're looking to do on this other thing that you wouldn't consider uh necessarily a viable competitor mm -hmm. and i think mm -hmm. it's how do you differentiate the brand and telling the solution you know if if we're selling e-commerce software or something like that everyone supports the functionality of selling online so that in itself isn't really a solution or a differentiator i think it's really about speaking differently in terms of positioning yourself are you i don't know are you positioning sort of long-term growth or customer satisfaction or i don't know these things right but i think it has to be different than the rest of the market in that story that you tell and i think that's where that alignment piece comes in is if marketing is going to go out and say, this is how we're positioning ourselves. It's totally differentiated from everyone else. Does sales support that? Can they continue that conversation in a way that they feel comfortable, that they feel confident they can go and put their name behind a sale and opportunity to be accountable yeah. for? It? I just think that's such a big piece and that's where the, um, the breakdown and alignment really is. Yes. They're all marketing. I want to say they all, Marketing and sales are all striving for the same numbers and they're happy to be in the same meetings, but are they really actually coming up with differentiated messaging, positioning and stories in the form of content that sales can really ride off of and gain momentum yeah. from in a qualified sales Yeah, there's, there's a, there's, I think the, you hit on maybe the one thing I'll add and then we'll, we'll wrap it up here, but you mentioned the, the junior or the, or the mid-level marketers being able to create content that really does speak to 
the sales cycle and and what the what the challenges are for the for the to move a, a prospect down down the funnel or even attract them to begin with. And I would say that you know that's probably hard to do even when you've got that definition. Sure. You know, I think even when it's fully defined by leadership, to your point, and and they actually have what they believe is is the right differentiated value proposition and how you know the, sto- the the high level approach that they want the marketing team to use and then to go develop all those stories i think even in that frame if you had it right it's it it we we definitely see challenges for the the mid level marketer being able to pick that up and say well the decision that i'm going to make related to something as simple as maybe a blog or something as simple as maybe this ebook that's going to be put into one of my programs, I'm actually attaching this whole thing. The decision-making process and how I'm, I'm, I'm angling this whole thing is because it, it filters back up to the 2022 content strategy that's been put together by my leadership. When that's missing, I think it's just a whole nother can of worms that you, that you end up seeing where am I talking feature function? Am I talking this? Is it all over the place? And then of course, if you're, if you have a lot of marketing irons in the fire, that challenge just becomes a, a you know an order of magnitude more difficult because there's just every there's just so many things going on. I mean, some of our clients have marketing departments that are bigger than our company, you know, and good luck trying to get all those people aligned and, and under one yeah, thing. I think and, that sums and up a lot of organizations. that that breakdown. But yeah, be. no, I agree. I I think that that is a huge that is a huge um, a takeaway is is being able to you know if you. If you've got that piece nailed down, I think the marketing teams have the best possible chance of creating content that's aligned with your with your selling vision. So I think if you've got a, a mid-level marketer who really understands um, the audience and that can, can make that connection between the content and sort of those sales mm-hmm. cycles, it's a little bit of a unicorn in that like, man, hold on to Shiri because that that is a... a that's a skill set that I think a lot of organizations want, but don't necessarily have. You can go find a great yeah. executive. You can go find good doers on the execution side. Um, not to say those are easy, but I think that that middle person who can really articulate themselves really well in that differentiated way, even yeah. with said framework, like you mentioned, Mike, oh man, that that's a, a hot, hot, hot skill set. I think. Awesome. Well, Marketing strategy 2022. I guess we'll check up in in December of 2022 and see <laughs> we did do? we hit our numbers? Did we yeah. hit our, our new our new numbers? Our, our revised numbers? Yeah, and and how right. and how we followed on on our best practices and tips that yeah, we just how, how we fo- exactly exactly how did we do measuring against this? All right, that was great. Pretty darn good. Thanks, everyone. It's off to the races here. Thanks, everyone. All right. Take care. Bye.